This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untaps in front, untaps holding on. What a win! Untap from the Harrison Sandler Cup. And it's very elegant. Ten group bumps. And now the greatest of them all, the Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. Good morning to you, wherever you may be listening to Cracking the Codes this morning. I'm joined by Dan Malecki. Dan, I think this is our last week as just a duo and we may be back as three next week. But good morning to you. How's your week been? Yeah, really good. Thank you, uh, Simone. Uh, Well, if Matt wants to join us, he's most welcome too, but it's got a bit comfortable there, isn't it? He's going to have to uh, work in to to find a seat on on the panel, but... um, Yes, it's it's been a few weeks. I'm sure he'll come back refreshed with many stories to tell. In fact, we might give him the task of his first week back. He can uh, either organise all the guests or he can tell us about all his stories and we'll rely on him to produce next week's show. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds like a good idea. And if he doesn't come come through with it, we'll just grab Max again, won't we? I know he's a little bit nervous about Max having done so well on the show a few weeks ago and we'll just... We'll just get his son to come in if he's not going to, you know, pull his weight. I'm sure Max will fit the bill quite nicely. (laughs) But I'm looking forward to some stories, Dan. I'm sure there's going to be many and they will probably not be racing related. But, um, you know. And we mightn't even want to hear them, but we're probably going to hear them anyway. Um, And, of course, one of the last stories I heard that uh, he was in a place where uh, his luggage wasn't. So he was having to buy (laughs) uh, some new apparel as a result of that. But I'm sure many people have encountered that before. Um, No Melton racing through the course of the month of July. Uh, They're doing renovations, lighting system. They're changing, upgrading, and and also to the infield. So the regional centre's hosting the Saturday nights for the next five Saturday nights through uh, July. But you were there for the trials. They're working on track at the trials there last Monday. And talk about some of the stars. We had, well, ladies in red, of course, doesn't get any bigger than that. But Joanna, Beyond Delight, Majida, Maori Law, did you get a chance to give them a pat? Well, it's funny, Dan. It was my first night working at Trials and, you know, I had the list of the horses. So a lot of them I don't really know that well. But when I saw Ladies in Red, I thought, oh, that's the, the good horse. And um, like you've just mentioned, there were a lot of good horses in Maori Law. But I think I was just too busy concentrating on the task at hand and making sure that I was you know, learning and doing the right thing. And um, it's certainly very different trials with harness than greyhounds. Um, they're almost like mini races. They had a race caller and the, the trainers are in their, or drivers are in their silks and um, a little, a lot more formal, I would say, um, than greyhound trials. Different, if we have greyhound trials that are stewards trials or satisfactory trials, they're after a race meeting at the end after race 12 at certain tracks. So they are very formal but just to go and trial your dogs normally on a, a Saturday morning or just any trial session, um, you know, you just rock up and they're all booked and you put the greyhounds in and you in the boxes and you catch them. So I was very, very surprised at the difference in how they're operated. And, um, yeah, when you mentioned some of those horses, it, it was very different. I, I really actually enjoyed it and, um, you know, the grading of the track and, and when they do it and, and all that. And the little trials at the start, the education trials, and I thought 
there was a horse there. He looked like he was a foal. He was so little and furry and, and so cute. And um, it was, yeah, good to experience all that. And certainly different to race night, but um, a good experience all round. But Dan, I just wanted to mention also in Greyhound News, everyone would have heard of Fernando Bale. Um, his progeny have surpassed $100 million already. And um, he's still got pups that are due to be born, pups that aren't broken in, that haven't raced yet. And he's got lots and lots of storages of semen. So we think that, you know, in years to come, this $100 million will seem like a drop in the ocean, which is absolutely phenomenal across any of the three codes to think that a sire, particularly in greyhounds, can um, have progeny win that amount. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Uh, Linda Britton, special guest this morning. Kath McIntosh is going to join us, uh, talk about Lower Long Farms and some big announcements. And very shortly, our first guest, Ross Graham, to talk about the sensation that is Nephew of Sunoco. This is RSN Cracking the Codes. Well, Nephew of Sunoco is one of the revelations in harness racing. And look, I must admit, he's become one of the most popular trotters going around. And there are various uh, reasons why. And his uh, trainer, Ross Graham, joins us um, to talk about the new revelation in harness racing. He's won his last three in a row, Nephew of Sunoco. Ross, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And uh, you must be enjoying this incredible ride with your trotter. I I am. Good morning to you, Dan and Simone. You know, it's it's been a it's been a great ride and um it uh look I've always had confidence in the horse but um he's definitely uh he's got got a lot better um of late anyway. Yeah. He seems like, in a way, he's been around for a long time. I think f- for a while you get a bit confused. You've had a few horses with a with a moniker a Sunoco in them, and um, another one, son of Sunoco, was around for quite some time. And this fellow's nephew of Sunoco, but he's not as old as most people think. But he is very experienced. He's had a hundred and nine starts, and it's probably been only his last fifteen starts or so. He he seems to have made this surge and then propelled himself to an even a different level, the highest level, just over the last few weeks. Yeah, look, he's um, he yeah he has had a lot of lot of race starts, but uh, early doors um, probably as a as a three year old he he made the size final. Um, he is denied a fair start and that, and he put in a huge run that night. Um, sort of put the riding on the wall. We we always sort of had a reasonable opinion of him, but he um, he showed 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 a bit more than what I thought he was capable of that night. And then um, yeah, then it's been a sort of a bit of a tease from then on. He's uh, he, he hasn't uh, been sort of mature enough. He hasn't been. Um, probably held his gait well enough, and he's he's um, matured into a, just a complete racehorse now. Uh, Touchwood, um, yeah, he's, we've changed a few things at home. He's we've, we've put in a water walker um, back earlier in the year, and um, put that into his training, and he's um, he's benefited a huge amount from it. Well, it's it's funny you should say that because it's one element. Uh, of his racing, which we can identify, is that he, he's toughened right up. And 
but, he, but he's also got smarter as if he's been go, getting some education and going to school because he's actually a smart trotter now where for a fair while, I think um, maybe maybe fair to say you can clarify this, he was a bit of a dumbo. Um, but he's far from that right at the moment. He's, he's quite the complete package and it just took, it seems like it took 94 starts for the penny to really drop. Yeah, it, it, it did take a long time. He, look, he's he's very happy horse at the moment. He's um, he's uh, early doors. Um, used to have to nurse him out of the gate, and he used to. Well, there was a time there he was out of the draw, and used to go back to um, back to near last. And as you know, it's it's hard to win races from back there. But um, yeah, he's he's got got the ways. Now that he's very versatile, he, he can work forward and he shows a bit of gate speed and and uh, he's toughened right up and I think that's been the, the main um, attribute to his success of late that he's he's got a bit tougher. Yeah. Well, he's won his last three in a row at, at Metro level and, and uh, tonight at the Shepherd and well, he's free for all group level, but he's beaten some of those horses before and. Last week, the way he just took off rounding the home turn, um, you know, he, he was like a Group 1 trotter. And uh, this is the way he did it at, at Melton last week, nephew of Sunoco. It's Kai Valley Clichy, two metres in front. The outside second is nephew of Sunoco. One overall awaiting on the run. And then well-defined and coming out wider, Robbie Royale. Off the back in 29-1 for the third quarter. It's Kai Valley Clichy headed off by nephew of Sunoco and he charged for home now. Nephew of Sunoco, isn't he in a rich reign of form? This experienced trotter has taken off a week after demolishing Majestuoso. He's going to demolish another field to go three wins in a row. And nephew of Sunoco wins by a space as Adele gets to second, then Robbie Royale, but nephew of Sunoco's won easily and has defeated Adele and Robbie Royale. Incredible for a horse that, as you said, was out of the draw for a while. Probably uh, you, you would have your heart in your mouth when he'd be drawing the front line because he actually never had gate speed or never seemed to have any gate speed. Now he's, he's one of the quicker trotters coming out of the gate. He's one of the tough, tougher trotters going around. And then that acceleration, it was like there was a button to press at the 300 for James Herbertson, and he, and he took off. There's, um, you know, there's so many things to like about the horse and so much encouragement and incentive for anybody that's got a late maturing horse. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he's, um, yeah, I can't speak highly enough for it. He's, he's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's um, exceeded my expectations, but yeah, he's just, gone to another level and he um it's it's gonna it's still hard in those races because they're all very nice horses and and um and you've got the likes of majestuoso who's is a who's who's um been at the top level for a long time and um yeah it's it's, it's uh you've got to be at the top of your game in those races but uh he's definitely there at the moment Ross, I'm really curious. Um, 109 starts and he's only six years of age. He must be a very sound horse and he must be a horse that really thrives on work and needs it to be backing up. Do you, With the trotters, do you give them spells as often as you do with racehorses or if they're bowling along nicely and sound and enjoying their work, do you just keep them going, which it, it looks like he obviously has because he wouldn't have had a lot of time to have big spells in that short career. Yeah, he... Um... He had a minor hiccup as a um, 
early four-year-old days, I think. Uh, so he, he, uh, he actually got tangled in a fence, So that, and that took him a long time to get over. But um, pretty much, Touchwood, he's, he's been... He doesn't have long long off. He's a fairly uh, rotunda little fella. He, he carries his carries himself pretty well. Um, yeah, so he and he enjoys his work. He loves he loves people contact. He's um, he just yeah, he loves being around people. Uh, he loves he's got a couple of paddock mates that he um, that he runs with every day, and he uh, when they go off to the races, he. Uh, you always, as soon as you lead them down off the tailgate, he's singing out to them over the over the fence, waiting for them to return down to the paddock. But he just, yeah, he's in a very good space at the moment. He he loves life, yeah. And you also he, had um, Brian Gath driving him for some part of his career as well. He had about twenty starts on him. So I mean, if you've got someone as experienced and um, respected as Brian Gath, it must um, speak volumes for the horse and the ability that he he's showing now. Yeah, Gathy, um, he's good enough to drive us while the uh, regional racing um, was running at the time. Um, yeah, so James jumped on him very very early doors, and then uh, yeah, and regional racing um, meant that uh, we had to source another driver. And um, yeah, Gaffy filled in for a little bit too. You, you bred him, um, so uh, and and the family name, not just the Graham family name, but also the Sunoco family name. Um, there's uh, we know that the moniker Sunoco. There's been a sister of Sunoco and a son of Sunoco and a, a nephew of Sunoco. And is there an, a, a niece of Sunoco? Is there a next door neighbour of Sunoco? <laughs> what, what's what are the plans? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, just uh, jokingly, I said to Lee, um, your brother, uh, twelve or eighteen months ago, I said oh, I might know this one friend of Sunoco. He said, "Don't be silly." He said, uh, "There's enough of them around. We don't need friends of Sunoco, no." But um, no, the, the the name originates from the um, original owner of Sunoco, uh, uh, Ian Devon. He named it. He he bought the Bought the uh, grandmother of it off a man called Stan Lang. It was a predominant, predominant um, pacing family, and uh, I think the uh, granddam was by Riverly Jack. So, a bit of bravado, Hanover blood there. So that's where the trot comes from, I think. And um, yeah, we turned up with a Ericles um, trotter, um, and then being Sunoco, and then. It spread on from there. The trotters, yeah, we were told that we were mad sending it to Sundon. Well, that bred um, son of Sunoco, and, and uh, I think yeah, a well-known harness racing bloke goes, oh, you're mad sending sending it to Sundon. You won't get a trotter, and he happened to win the Redwood. So, yeah, there's no rule to it, but anyway, that's what's happened. Yeah, there is no rule to it, that's for sure, but... Um did you ever think at any stage with, with nephew of Sunoco that he was on his mark? Because, and this is a horse, he won a race as a two-year-old, Simone. So, you know, to, to even get a two-year-old trotter on the track, it's a pretty big deal, Ross, to win a race with a two-year-old trotter. Again, it's a big deal. And 
he's won a race at every uh, year that he's been racing. And what are you up to now? About 16 uh, wins now. But there would have been times where you thought, oh, he's on his mark. It might, it might have been yeah. half a dozen times you've thought that. Yeah, well, definitely, Dan. Because well, he, he, he won that uh, Vic Red Platinum two years ago. And then um, with the current system of you drop back if you run further back than six. So he obviously he dropped back enough points to make the final the next year. Um, he was a huge run in that and ran second to um, another Danny Boucher and Chizzy. But, yeah, look, he's he was sort of at that point where he um, he got up into the high 80s, low 90s, and that was sort of about where he's... Um, where he stuck at for quite some time and implemented the um, the water walker into his training and just meant that he's just got a bit more work and he's got a bit more stronger and and he's gone to another level. Given that he, he loves racing, clearly he loves racing, um, he likes backing up. There's a little race series, I think they call it the Inter Dominion. It's run in Melbourne later on the year, run in Victoria later on the year. Um I imagine that there'd be an ideal series for him. Have you had a runner in any Dominion before? Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I have. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, had a nice horse the ten year, ten or more years ago now called uh, Beaver with Fever. He he raced in the Cup Winners oh, yeah. He was lucky enough to um, to win a heat the first year he ran in it, and he ran either fifth or sixth in the final. And then the then the next year he. Um, he qualifies for the final and runs fourth in the final in Adelaide. So yeah, no, I've had one in it before, but yeah, they're hard to hard to get into. Well, I'm going to be big sh- shoes to fill, but to to, to have another horse that um, is is heading in that direction um, is pretty exciting and uh, and taking on the, the the best at the moment. Um, you've got to in, in, enjoy the ride. He might be up to about 200 starts by then, but the way he's going, he, he could even be six lengths better, Ross. Tell us about your training establishment, Sutton, Grave, uh, Sutton Grains. So you're a bit south of Bendigo, but tell us about um, your involvement there and how long you've been there and the size of the stable you've got. Yeah, um, I moved from... Uh, I always trained from um, my father's place in Sedgwick and then uh, about... 2010, I um, purchased a, a property just um, 75 acres with uh, just with a house on it, and put in a um, just short of a 2,000 metre track. It is um, uphill track, and we've got uh, just they just run in paddocks. They've got there's um, seven good sizable paddocks, and there's yeah about three or four horses in a paddock, and they. They run together and we um, work about 20 horses at a time and their yeah, life's pretty good. Mm. And what some a- cold mornings at the moment down there too, wouldn't there? <laughs> <laughs> it's been, been cold in Lara and I can't imagine around Bendigo Way um, be sub-zero temperatures this winter. You have to get the winter woolies out. Of, you, yeah. Well, I suppose a good horse makes you get out of bed easier, but, um, gee, there must be some mornings you just wish you could stay in bed. Yeah, no, there's, uh, it does get quite quite chilly out here, but we, usually when uh, we've had a frost the last last three days, but, um, usually when you get a frost, you, it's followed up by a pretty nice day once you get through those uh, chilly bits early when the sun starts to come up, yeah. 
always say that uh, when you've got a good horse going around, you don't really feel the cold. So it might be uh, fortunate for everyone involved that uh, Nephew of Sunoco is going so well to help you bounce out of bed, look at the field, see your horse in a group race and potentially running in an Inter-Dominion series. Otherwise, um, yeah, you'd be wanting to be tucked up under the blankets. Uh, Ross, tell us about uh, your, you know, usually it's never a one-man band or one-woman band. There's always, you know, uh, there are family or there are, there are partners and there are people behind the scenes to help uh, and, and, and chip in. So tell us who's involved with your stable. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big family thing. Yeah, me, my brother, he um, he comes out every day and, and uh, he drives in the gate pretty much just as I'm finishing uh, throwing the feeds around. And then um, we start bringing them in and, and uh, start the day off. But, yeah, there's also a partner, Emily, here. She's, um, she's here every day as well. Um, and my father, he makes he makes the trip trip from Sedgwick to Sutton Grange, which is only 10 to 12 minutes down the road. So he calls in most day and and uh, puts in an appearance, and we've got owners that uh, ne- next-door neighbour, Clive Henderson, he's, he owns a couple of horses here. He he, um, he comes over here and has a bit of a play around with the horses as well, and, yeah, every, everyone's fairly, fairly involved in it, yeah. Oh, well, you've got a terrific team, and uh, at the moment, uh, the star, and I suspect he might be for a while, but just in case there's another one that's coming through that we're not sure about, is there anything we should be looking out for that the, the Ross Graham stable have uh, got emerging? Uh, there's, there's, look, we're, we're, at the moment, we've got um, uh, nine two-year-olds in work, um, yeah, none of them are named yet, but there's a, there's a couple there that we like, and I think there's one there that's he's a he's a he's a half brother the nephew of Sunoco, but um, he's a work in progress, but he feels like he's got a bit of ability. But uh, he's just Is he named? Head screwed on right. No, we haven't thought up a name for him yet. No. Okay, so he might simply be half brother to Sunoco. <laughs> yeah, could well be that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's great uh, having a chat with you this morning. And uh, as I said, I think Nephew of Sunoco has sort of morphed his way or emerged into being one of the most popular trotters, certainly one of the most popular harness horses in the state. And it's a wonderful ride. And look, uh, I'd be interesting to know if there are people that you have don't know that you've heard from um, that have enjoyed this this horse's ride. I think it's a fantastic story. Um, you know, is he a bit different to some other horses that you had where people really appreciate him simply for the fact he, he, you know, he he, he bit, had a bit of a uh, a dotted sort of history, um, and now he sort of emerged as an experienced horse. Yeah, look, there's a lot of well wishes all the time, but I think that's that's just the industry. Everyone, um, no one begrudges anyone of uh, having success in the game, but uh, yeah, there's been a lot of lot of well wishes uh, from a lot of local people. Um. Yeah, just uh, in awe with what he's doing at the moment. And it's not over yet. Uh, just within a couple of weeks, he's got a length or two better at each start just recently, Simone. So who knows where he's going to get to or if indeed he's going to plateau out. Um, 
enjoy the ride. Good luck tonight. Super race at, uh, at Shepparton to be a part of. And uh, we're enjoying being a part of the ride, admittedly, uh, on, the, on the, the lateral side, the sidelines. But uh, he's a wonderful story, Ross. Congratulations to you and the whole team. And, yeah, may that ride continue for a long time yet. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. Thank you so much. Ross Graham there, trainer of uh, Nephew of Sunoco, who's in the uh, the Group 3 uh, Touch Merchant free-for-all at Shepparton tonight. Dan Ross and his family are certainly enjoying the rewards of hard work and patience. And our next guest on the line is offering big rewards for some harness racing coming up in the future. Yeah, and speaking of hard work as well, because um, Kath McIntosh is a vet uh, for the Northern Rivers Equine Clinic, but also is a proprietor of uh, Lower Long Farms and a terrific uh, supporter and sponsor here on, on RSN as well. And uh, brought some wonderful news, breaking uh, uh, news about bonuses in, in breeding from uh, or to Lower Long Farm Stallions, $100,000. I can imagine the phone be running off the hook now after the announcement on Greenlight on on, uh, on Thursday. Kath, first of all, good morning and, and welcome to Cracking the Codes. And uh, yeah, it sounds like there's been a long time planning to, to get this off the ground. Yeah, morning, Dan. Uh, yeah, we're super excited to um, to announce our Lower Long Farm Stallion bonus, and uh, yeah, it has been a lot of planning and a lot of thought uh, gone into that. And um, yeah, we're looking looking forward to um, you know we've had a lot of positive response around it already. So yeah, looking forward to um, seeing what that does for the stallions that we have on our roster. A hundred thousand dollar bonus um, is available to the owner. Um, if the horse that is bred through Lower Long Farms is uh, able to win the Vic Bread final, and when I say an owner, whether that be the person that breeds the horse and continues to own it, or the horse is sold at the sales and picks up new owners. Yeah, that's right. So if you breed to either um, Poster Boy, Yankee Rockstar, Raging Bull, um, Pastor Stephen um, this year, or uh, Lather Up, so all of which we stand at uh, Long Long Farm. So we've obviously got the, the four paces there, Poster Boy, Yankee Rockstar, Raging Bull and Lather Up, and the one trotter in Pastor Stephen. If the progeny from the breeding this year goes on to win the 2025 uh, two-year-old Vic Bread, whether it's Colts or Phillies in the pacing and the trotters, then the owner will be uh, get a $100,000 bonus paid to them from Long Long Farm. So yeah, it's a it's a fair incentive to breed and and um and you know race those horses and also if you are breeding you know to sell at the sales then obviously you incentivise those yearlings at the sales and we'll be doing a lot of marketing and promotion around that at the sales for for those breeders as well. So it's pretty exciting. Kath, the Kath, the horses that you've got standing, I'm just looking at them on the screen at the moment and um, stunning looking horses, but their service fees around the $5,000 mark. I mean, that's a, a huge bonus, $100,000, considering I know there's a lot more expenses than, than just the service fee when you're trying to get a foal on the ground with the mare and, and everything else that goes with it. But that's a, it's a huge incentive for a small outlay in the scheme of it. Yeah, and I think um, it reflects, I guess, what our belief in these, these horses that we stand. Um, you know, Poster Boy, his first lot of yearlings will go to the sales um, in, next year. Um, so, you know, we, you know, he's by the dominant sideline in some beach somewhere, um, which is just, they're just winning everything everywhere now. So, um, you know, we re- really believe in these horses. We've got the new horse, Raging Bull. He's a Christian Cullen son out of an arts place. 
um, American mare. You know, it's the best of breeding of two hemispheres. You know, we, we believe in these horses, and so we, you know, we want to back the people who are basically supporting them. So, um, yeah, breeding is a hard, long, risky um, game. You know, the breeders are the ones who have the most invested in in it in the industry um, and the most risk. So, you know, we just want to want to have a reward out there to to recognise that for them. So, just looking ahead, if uh, you could be up, if for four hundred thousand dollars, I mean, there are four different bonuses that actually could go off, Kath. Um, so it's a hundred thousand dollar bonus, but there are four uh, divisions: the two-year-old Colts and Geldings, fillies in both trotters and paces, and two-year-old Colts and Geldings in both uh, paces and trotters as well. So, because if you've got the paces and the trot. Trotted two to breed two. Um, yep. That's a that's a bit of money. So uh, you know, four hundred grand. Um, are you feeling nervous? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it is that uh, when you put it like that, Dan. It is a bit um, nerve wracking, but uh, you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But we, uh, you know, we're we're committed to this. Uh, we're committed to the breeders. We're committed to these stallions. Um, and you know, I guess you've got uh, four of those stallions are eligible for two hundred thousand of that. And Parker Stephen, being our um, our trotting sire, is the only stallion we have eligible for two hundred thousand of that. But he in himself is a really attractive proposition for this because he is he's um, uh, he was the two year old colt of the year. His full brother, Father Patrick, was the two year old colt of the year. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's Sam, uh, sorry, his sire, Cantor Paul, was a two-year-old colt of the year. So he has got two-year-old speed everywhere in his pedigree. So he's a really good candidate for this bonus for those breeders out there. And on top of that, he will be standing with us in Victoria, um, uh, chilled semen. He's a fertile sire, so, um, you know, don't need to, we can ship that semen anywhere. Um, we don't have to worry about frozen semen with him. So, you know, he ticked all the boxes for breeders this year with that bonus. And, Kath, given that there's so much imported blood there, it looks like, you know, there's so many people that could take advantage of this if they've got Australian bred mares. Yeah, that's it. Um, we've got a, a good range of, um, uh, of sire lines there, so we do have something for everyone. And on top of that, um, three out of the four pacing sires are also eligible for the Big Bread Pure bonus. So because they are New Zealand Australian bred stallions standing in Victoria, their progeny is also um, eligible for the Vic Bread Pure bonus of $12,000, which they get on their first win, um, uh, which is, you know, above uh, the, the basic uh, Vic Bread bonus of uh, 8000 So, um, you know, there's a lot of attractive uh, things there for, for three out of four of those um, stallions that are eligible it makes, it makes a big difference, doesn't it, the 12 grand for the first to win? All we need now is a few more two-year-old races to be run by Harness Race in Victoria to give people those opportunities because at the moment there's a problem there, I think, Kath, um, of two-year-old races standing up. There's a rule that suggests that there should be at least six horses in a race. I think that that should be lowered for two-year-olds because there's too many owners that are missing out when their horses are getting to the track and those races aren't going ahead because only four or five are officially nominated. But the pool of horses is that low, I think it's yes. unfair to advertise something and then not go through with it. And what happens to that advertised prize money? It's not going back to the two-year-old. So there's an area that we need to work on. It's nothing to do with you, but it does affect the breeding industry. 
Um, yeah. Nonetheless, I was going to say some of the, the – have you had Vic Bread winners blow along farm? I know you've got – actually, tell us about some of the mares you got there um, and some of the horses they've produced because uh, for people that are becoming familiar with Lower Long Farms, uh, I think the name's only been in existence for a couple of years, uh, switching from Northern Rivers Equine, but you've got some of the best bred mares uh, anywhere in Australia there at the moment. Um, yeah, we're pretty fortunate. We've got a, a great uh, or um, a great group of resident mares on farm. You know, um, we obviously have, uh, not obviously, we have the, the mares of um, Bill and Ann Anderson with Lauriston Bloodstock, who were, you know, the breeders of the year um, this year. And um, we have got, uh, you know, Aston Villa, who's been broodmare of the year, which is also one of their mares. Um, Kabbalah, Karen B, who's been um, broodmare of the year also. You know, she's a dam of ladies in red. Um, we've got uh, we've got um, Queen of Pop, uh, Musical Delight. You know, these mares, you know, Musical Delight, she's the, the dam of beach music and rip. Um, you know, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's very exciting seeing, you know, the quality of these mares on farm. Um, uh like and then their offspring, you know that we, you know we breed, we make them, we fold them down, you know we wean them, we take them to the sales for the owners, and and then they go on a race, and that's usually rewarding for us. And um, yeah, we're we're very excited about you know a lot of the progeny that are still to arrive for the mares that are on farm this year. And you talked uh, in part about some of the stallions there. Tell us about the the lineup of the stallions that you've got. I mean, a lot has been made of. You know, horses like Poster Boy, there was Soho Tribeca there sending last season. He's now back in work with Yankee Rockstar. Will be Poster Boy's first, um, what are they? Are they yearlings yet? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, so he's, they'll be yearlings next year. He's first lot of yearlings. Next year, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's had um, his first role to rise. I should know, should know. Well, you've got one. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're just like him. They've got a bit of sass. Um, he's stamping them in terms of his type and their beautiful uh, body folds and been very well received across the country. His brother, Yankee Rockstar, is by Rock and Roll Hanover. Um, he's got some two-year-olds going around and, you know, the, the, like they, they're going really nicely. And I think one of the biggest selling points for the Yankee Rockstars are that the trainers say it's just like they've been here before. You know, they just get on, they're good paces, get on and do the job. And, and I think that's testament to in, you know, a horse like Rock Artist. Um, he's two-year-old of Yankee Rockstars. Had two starts for two wins, including his second start, which was down in Tasmania. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty top job as a two-year-old to travel all that way to Tasmania and then still come out and win with ease, with, which is what he did. So that's the temperament that Yankee Rockstars throwing into to his progeny. Um, we've got uh, um, Mel Mara. His his oldest uh, been through the sales um, as yearlings, and they've, they've done really well. You know, he's a $2,000 sire and he's returning over $20,000 for his yearling. So it's a pretty good return on your investment there. We have the new sire in Raging Bull, um, who was uh, actually named um, after uh, a 1950s boxer, um, Jake LaMotta. Jake LaMotta. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, yeah, his nickname was Raging Bull, so that's where his name comes. So he's a Christian Cohen's son. And we've also got the Robert new, De Niro uh, played him on TV, on, in, the, in the, the famous movie, Robert De Niro. Oh, there you go. I'll have to, um, I'll have to before my time, I'll have to um, go back and, and have a look. Um, I thought you did well to too. name the boxer. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, uh, we've also got a new uh, stone coming in from Canada in uh, Century Pharaohs. 
Um, he is a, a son of Max Bree. Um, so once again, that dominant uh, Sun Beach, Sun Wear line, um, you know, is an option for people to breed. And I think, um, you know, we're trying to, I think our numbers, breeding numbers were back again this year on the year before, which is um, somewhat disturbing. Um, but we're trying to, you know, put out there, you know, lots of new and different options for people to breed to. He's a class horse out of Canada. Um, he's been Canadian Horse of the Year, uh, 147.3, I think. He went was the quickest and um, won over 1.5 million. So um, he has a tough horse um, who had a desire to win. Um, that comes from the sophomore, the trainer. And, uh, yeah, so he's a really good new addition to our roster um, this year. And it's, he's only just stood his first season in Canada. Um, just finishing now. And the Association Woodland Stud is an important one uh, as well, but also uh, through them is, strengthens up a, an already very strong stallion roster. Yeah, so we've got American Ideal on behalf of Woodland Stud, and you know he's a stallion that speaks for himself. He has winners everywhere around the country, New Zealand, Australia, day in, day out. Um, beautiful tights. He's also stamping himself as a broodmare sire now, um, crossing particularly well with the Mac three-line horses. Um, and, of course, Lather Up, the fastest or equal fastest horse in the world. He's had his third season here with us again this year, um, and he's also eligible um, because of that good relationship. Even though it's a long, long farm, stallion bonus, we've popped Lather Up on that bonus um, because, uh, you know, he's, he's a standout horse. He's in his third year with us. Um, his eldest are, uh, you know, just wheeling, so they'll be at the sales next year. They sold impressively at the wheeling sales in New Zealand. Um, and they're a really nice type of cut of horse. So, um, you know, come and have a look at all these stallions at our stallion parade on uh, Sunday, the 4th of September. Um, we're going to have a massive day there. There's more details to come, but come and have a look at all these stallions because, um, yeah, they're, they're a really nice bunch of boys. And that's Father's Day, of course, which might be appropriate because when you're looking at uh, the breeding aspect, you'll be looking at the fathers of your future champions that could be winning you the $100,000 bonus. That's right. You could maybe market it to all the dads out there who are looking, telling their kids what to buy them. Just go and buy me a horse. Yeah, <laughs> that's we'll buy a broodmare. <laughs> we'll yeah. yeah, got these nice stallions here. It could, it could be a, a double marketing effect there, Cash. Cash, you could, um, yeah, try and send a message out there to all those dads who don't know what they want. Well, you might just need to invest in harness racing. Yeah, that's it. We are. Uh, we might. We should put a few broodmares in the yard and make it one out and buy them at the time and sign off on their contracts yeah. and away they go. Yeah, oh, too clever Easy you. Done. You could just imagine that working <laughs> too. So, um, yeah. oh, well, there's a lot to look forward to. Look, congratulations with uh, your thought, your forever thinking uh, about uh, moulding the uh, uh, the landscape with, with breeding. And these bonuses are, uh, well, they're so attractive, aren't they? They're lucrative, $100,000 with possibility of four of them uh, up for grabs uh, but of course uh, you've got to go through lower long farms and the stallions there and um, it is a wonderful opportunity and makes it oh so exciting and what already is the most exciting uh, series the Vic Red series here in Victoria so congratulations with that uh, Kath and no doubt uh, there'll be some future stars some future champions that uh, are going to be bred through lower long again uh, this year. Yeah, it's, um, we're super excited and I know 2025 seems like a long time away, but it really isn't and, uh, you know, I just can't wait to, to get to those final stages and see some of this progeny, you know, going around like the true champions that they're going to be.
Yeah, no doubt. It's a very impressive lineup. Uh, Kath, thanks again for joining us this morning, and, and congratulations on those announcements as well. That'll uh, certainly uh, uh, be a, a bit of fuel for a lot of people's uh, fires to to breed that champion uh, to win a Vic Brett as well. So thank you very much, and good luck going forward. All right, thank you very much. This is RSN cracking the codes. We are cracking the codes this morning, Dan and I, and um, we're joined now by Linda Britton all the way from Western Australia, and we can hear the dogs barking in the background there. But uh, Linda Britton is a Western Australian Hall of Fame inductee, and on Thursday night they had the Western Australian Racing Awards for the Harness Gallops and Greyhounds and had some more greyhounds and people and horses inducted into their Hall of Fame as well. And two of those greyhounds were ones that were trained by Linda in the 90s. So... Terrific achievement, and here to tell us all about it is Linda herself. Good morning, Linda. Hi, Simone. It's great to have you on Cracking the Codes. Gee, what a night it must have been for you Thursday night. Two of your greyhounds, two of the best that have come out of Western Australia ever, Reggie Might and Paradise Street. You must have been absolutely thrilled and quite emotional, I'd imagine, seeing them up on the screen. Yes, you do. You know, like a... Both amazing dogs, and um, to have them recognised for what they did, because they're both in their own right champions to us. And um, so, no, very, very exciting. And two totally different greyhounds. Reggie might, of course, a sprinter in Paradise Street, who started off his career over the shorter distances, but really stamped himself as probably WA's best stayer of all time. And um, he certainly put his mark on the, the staying ranks over here in Victoria and, and New South Wales as well. So two totally different dogs, but to have them inducted on the one night, it would have been super special. Yeah, it was. And it was quite a shock, you know, um, earlier in the week they announced it, but um, it was just quite a shock to two, have two dogs that you've trained um, both go into the Hall of Fame. And as you say, very different dogs. Um, they were both related, but they were still... In their own way, they were, um, had, you know, different personalities and um, they were just like red, as we called uh, Paradise Street, was an iron dog. You know, he raced until he was five and a half. You just don't see that wow. very often these days. And, and he was very competitive right up to that. His last race was in Sydney in the national distance um, when the owners decided to retire him. And I think he still would have raced on. It's... Night, what late nineties? These two dogs were running. It's almost you know in dog years. It's like uh, about three generations ago. It seems like a long time ago. Great recognition, um, but uh, you know it's an extraordinarily long amount of time. Were you ever sort of thinking would they ever be added to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, no, uh, I probably didn't. You know, think about it that much. But they both deserve to be in there, and um, and to get you know the recognition now is. Um, it was just, you know, quite overwhelming to see them both go in and, um, you know, very, very exciting. Linda, you know Paradise Street is a greyhound that's close to my heart. Of course, during his time racing over here in Victoria, I had a lot to do with him and um, there are some photos that I've got of him and I that <laughs> won't let surface because I've got terrible hair. <laughs> but the dog looks good. <laughs> But, it's about um, the dog, Simone. It's not always about you. <laughs> I know. It looks so hideous, Dan. I just couldn't put them out there. But, um, yeah, Red, look, I just remember him so vividly and fondly, him and tonight's wish in the kennel there and 
we had a couple of Mpunga dogs at the time. But I just remember Chief and, and Red and he had such a, a beautiful personality and like you say, the iron dog. And he was a little bit cheeky and a little bit bold as well. But let's have a listen now to the little clip that they put out in WA on social media just to sum up his career. Paradise Street was the outstanding 20th century stayer in WA Greyhound Racing and probably the most travelled. It would be worth it though, with Paradise Street winning a whopping 43 times, including 14 700 metre races on end. Commencing his career in Victoria in 1996, Paradise Street was a handy sprinter, winning on several occasions before heading west to Linda Britton in January 1997. In 119 starts, Paradise Street had recorded 43 wins and 41 placings, won 25 of 37 distance races in WA and been unplaced just once. Paradise Street, an iconic champion indeed and now given due accolade in WA Racing's Hall of Fame. Well, I don't know about you, Linda, but that certainly sends chills up my spine um just brings back all those memories and him arriving off the plane and then going onto the plane going back up to the airport so many times throughout his career backwards and forwards victoria to to wa and he just got so accustomed to it didn't he just he did if you can remember he used to walk straight back into his kennel like he'd been nowhere that's right up from the airport he'd go onto the crate no problems and then you'd bring him home and He'd look, just look for that. We we had him in the third kennel here, and um, he'd he'd go straight into the third kennel, you know, as if he'd never been away. And uh, he was just, as we said, an iron dog, and and he just loved his life and loved racing, and 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 loved just, you know, wherever he was, he was happy. He was a happy dog. He certainly was a happy dog, but he had good reason to be because he was a favourite for you and a favourite for us. I know that. At the time, um, and I can't remember what kennel he was in exactly, but I remember him being next to tonight's wish, and I think Smart Remark, my greyhound that is standing next to my piano. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. I have a what feeling it, Lewis? he was... What, what, Lewis, what you... yes. Yeah. Smart Remark. I have a feeling he was in the end kennel and Red might have been next to him. But, um, yeah, just such fond memories. And the guys that owned him, Linda, Steve Pascoe, Greg Martin, and I can't remember the other guy, but... They just had Jock, such a sense. Jock Clark, it was. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Dog, and I can't remember his first name, but yeah. Oh, but, yeah I remember their yeah. faces, but um, yeah. didn't they just have the right of their life? And then the other greyhounds, like leading example as well, and um, they they got into greyhounds in such a great way. It's just so much fun, and and got to travel around and experience the big races. And they were just three, you know, young guys that just had a ball everywhere they went, didn't they? They did, yeah. They were three knockabout type guys and just loved it. They they initially had Miss Chris, if you can remember her. She won a Perth Cup and she's the mother of um, Regimite. Sorry, she's the mother of Paradise Street and yes. um, grandmother of Regimite. So um, they had the ride of their life. She's probably a dog that should have been looked at to go into the Hall of Fame with, with the type, type of dog she threw and, um, and also winning a Perth Cup. But they started with Grant Lankerson with her. Right, yeah, it's been a family, and now that you mention it, when I was starting to look back, I thought, yes, Miss Crisp, and then, like you said, she's Regimite's grandmother. Um, terrific breeding there, and let's just touch on Regimite as well, because he was another 
absolutely outstanding chaser for you. He came over to Melbourne and he was very competitive against the Greyhounds over here, won the shootout, and his name came about from a really funny source. You'll have to tell us about how he got named. Yeah, well, he was um, named after Chris's late dad and, um, yeah, with Reggie, Reggie Health. And um, Reggie, you know, we always say Reggie might, Reggie do, Reggie could. <laughs> so, so we got the Reggie might, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, great, great memory, and even no, and that's that. Just having the dog named after him, you know, these days is special to us as well. Oh, absolutely! I was just going to mention that. Um, every time it comes up, and wouldn't he have been so proud to have been there Thursday night? But no doubt, your mum and dad were there, Margaret and Alan Britton. Yeah, and Jean, um, Chris's mum as well. So, a very emotional night for all of them. And how how is Dad going, Linda? <laughs> There's something about his suit not fitting him. Is that he's living the, yeah, the good life right. over in he's WA? Had, he's had a couple of problems. He has put on a couple of pounds. So um, Mum's had to adjust adjust his suit pants, and uh, you know he was having a bit of a whinge about that. But he, he, they're going well. Um, yeah, Dad, Dad's probably not so happy in retirement. He still loves to be training dogs, but. You know, he's 88 now, so it makes it a bit hard. So, um, yeah. but no, they're both well, and we see a lot of them. Yeah, 88, yeah, ter- terrific. And I'm sure, I mean, I haven't seen mum and dad for a few years. I do speak to mum from time to time. I'll send the odd text message, but I'm sure they're still looking fit and well. And even though dad at 88, I, 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 no doubt he, he would be out doing as much as he possibly could. Yeah, he does. He's slowed up a lot, but he's, um, you know, he comes out to the kennel sometimes and walks. You know, some of the brood bitches and all the dogs go silly when they when he walks in the door, and you know, they're so glad to see him. So, um, yeah, no, he's doing. They're doing well. Mum's enjoying, you know, everything she does at uh, the village that they live in, and uh, she's involved in a lot of things. So, this, yeah, Dad, not so much. He just likes watching Sky Channel all the time. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'd be well. He probably didn't get a lot of time to do it back in the day when he was training right. full time, but now he That's can. Right. Yeah. Really enjoy it and just immerse himself still in racing. We know Dad, you know, loved racing inside and out, the horses as well. So, Linda, look, it's been great having a chat to you. Um, a little bit of a trip down memory lane this morning on Paradise Street and Reggie might as well. And, um, look, congratulations to you. And I know you're just such a, a great ambassador for greyhound racing. You have, you always have been, conducted yourself very, very well and um, over in Western Australia They've been one of the leading trainers, if not the best that they've ever had. So, so, so well deserved to the Greyhounds and yourself. And we appreciate your time this morning. Well, thanks very much for that, Simone. Yes, and no, pleasure. And thanks, Dan. Linda Britton, what a star she's been for, for Greyhound Racing right across Australia. And it's amazing to think over the years that travel, uh, you know, from Western Australia all through the, the eastern states and the great success that she's, uh, she's had with her champions, many champions. Um, we've had three wonderful guests this morning, Simone. At time flies when you are having fun, and I'm hoping that the fun continues for the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Dan. You too. Yeah, it has been three very different guests again, but gee, haven't they all got a lot to offer to racing in their respective codes? And um, hopefully Matt will be back with us next week, Dan. I think um, he's been away four weeks now. I think it's a long enough holiday and time to get him back on board and have him cracking the codes with us.
Okay, well, if that's the case, he can join us for the early start 6am next Saturday morning. Until then, hope you have a wonderful Saturday and weekend. Enjoy the course of the week and we'll chat cracking the code 6am RSN next Saturday morning.